the fantasy football Welcome to the Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I'm Mike Hume. Hi, I'm Des Beeler, and I spent the offseason trying to break my habit of referring to wide receivers as YRs. Uh, I was not completely successful. And I'm Jeff Dooley, and I edited a story by Des this week where he entirely used this YR bizarre analogy, and I was thoroughly confused, and, and I don't care for it now much either. I'm, I'm still confused. I am not confused about the fact that the NFL is a passing league, and that means that the players catching those passes will have only grown in value this season. That is particularly true when you consider the point-per-reception scoring change that is now the default for ESPN and a number of other sites. So let's continue our positional draft breakdowns with wide receivers. Remember, you can find our previous shows on running backs and quarterbacks on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. But right now, let's get to the big idea for wide receivers. The big idea. Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL tear. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper. All right, fellas. The big idea for wide receivers in your fantasy drafts this year. If you're only going to focus in on one factor, one statistic, it should be targets. Now, the reason for this is... Uh, when we talk about the importance of workload in fantasy football, it's true of the very, very top guys, uh, guys like Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, at the very top of the rankings. It's also very true. Uh, it's a great measure of finding some values in the middle rounds of the draft, even in the late rounds. It often can get overlooked, maybe guys who aren't as flashy as other ones, but targets is basically the most uh, predictive factor uh, when it comes to fantasy football success among wide receivers. I mean, I like it. I mean, we always talk about uh, fantasy football opportunity. I mean, opportunity is one of the pillars of fantasy success. You can't score if you don't have the ball. So if you're getting targets, odds are you're getting the ball. And here's one stat that Neil Greenberg from the Washington Post came up with, our own Neil Greenberg. Wide receiver ones are only fractionally better than wide receivers two and wide receivers three on a points-per-target basis. That means the only thing separating the top wide receivers from the secondary and tertiary wide receivers is opportunity, which means targets. So you got to find the guys that are going to get the workload. Yeah, uh, it's, it's been borne out by, def- by uh, multiple studies by fantasy analysts. A recent study by T.J. Hernandez of 4 for 4 showed that exact... Uh, Name uh, dropper. Exactly. Yeah, I'm just trying to g- give the man some love. He showed that the statistic with the most predictive correlation of future performance is targets per game, followed by receptions per game and yards per game. So those are two pretty major stats that people are already pretty familiar with, yards and receptions. You know, you, we're just, ask, we're just say, suggesting you go one step beyond and try to find websites that list targets, which is increasingly becoming a thing. Uh, similarly, a 2015 study by DraftKings, if I could drop that uh, company's name also, uh, the study claimed that a wide receiver's targets basically predict 92% of his fantasy production in PPR leagues. I mean, I'm just an English major, but I think 92% is a lot. That's right, Mike. (laughs) Thanks. I was waiting for confirmation there. Uh, Now, if we are going to take this idea and apply it to our draft guys, where can we see this play out? Both you mentioned the top, the elite guys, Jeff, and then obviously as a way of finding some values in the middle and late rounds. You know, I think there's there's some guys who are seemingly in unfavorable uh, positions. A guy like Demarius Thomas in Denver, where it's a very much an uncertainty 
whether it's Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch, there's not a lot of confidence at the quarterback position there. I think that's fair to say. Uh, but he's a guy who consistently gets a ton of targets. His teammate Emmanuel Sanders, another guy, uh, you know, there's a certain nervousness that comes with drafting those guys because you're thinking, well, the quarterback plays awful, and that's where you do sort of fall back on knowing he, you know, Thomas has a good chance of being one of the most targeted wide receivers uh, in all of the NFL this season. So that, you know, those are guys to keep an eye on. Uh, but even someone who's like higher up on the board, the guy who led the NFL in targets last year, Mike Evans. Uh, you know, he's a guy who maybe wasn't the most efficient on a uh, most efficient on a per target basis, but just the pure volume there. You know, Jameis Winston was feeding him the ball. He's another guy you sort of have confidence in, like the top five range in wide receivers this year. I mean, one of the big factors in Mike Evans making the leap he did last year, obviously, was his touchdowns. Also, he went from three to twelve, so that, oh. certainly, that certainly can't be overlooked. But obviously, him him ascending from I think tenth in t- in the NFL in targets in uh, 2015 to being number one overall last year had, had, a, had a ton to do with his success as well. And what, what you look for um, when, you're, when you're trying to figure out, uh, you know, sort of predict these values and, and think about targets and how they relate to fantasy success is you want to look for uh, wide receivers that you think will reach 120 targets. That's sort of been set as sort of the baseline for a top 24 wide receiver. Like you need to have at least 120 targets to reach the top 24. And then if, if you get to 150 targets, you have a pretty good shot of being a wide receiver one. And there was no better example of that than Allen Robinson, who, who uh, was... Allen Robinson. Uh, he was so terrible last year. And of course, it wasn't all his <laughs> fault. But and, and as Mike knows, I, I kvetched about Allen Robinson incessantly last year on the podcast. Uh, but, you know, he got 151 targets last year, which is nearly the same number he got the year before when he was fantastic. So it all went to poo. But even with those, even with his terrible play and Blake Bortles' terrible play, he still finished as a 24th-ranked wide receiver in PPR leagues. He was 28th in standard. So that just goes to show the power of volume. He got those targets. And I think when you look at him and you say, okay, this is two years in a row, he's gotten 150 targets, I think we can pencil him in for at least 120 next year, even if the Jaguars throw less, which I think they will. Yeah, I think the thing that I like best about using targets as a barometer for draft stock, it really establishes the floor for a player, and that's going to be particularly true with PPR. Take a guy like Julian Edelman, who last year was not great, didn't do a ton scoring-wise, didn't have uh, a great start to the season for sure. All he would do is catch the ball 10, 11, 12 yards out and fall over. Well, in a PPR format, that's two points every time he does that. And when he's getting 158 targets like he did last year, that adds up pretty quickly, and you see why he ended up with 230 fantasy points and, I think, 14th overall, despite what most would consider a pedestrian at best to bad start to the season. Yeah, and I think you got to look at some of the situations where there is, there's been turnover among the pass catchers. Uh, you know, certainly a place uh, with, you know, the Washington Redskins being a great example, yep. uh, two starting wide receivers gone. That's a lot of targets to go around, uh, you know, out of the slot is Jameson Crowder going to get a lot of those. Terrell Pryor, the free agent pickup, uh, who had a really strong season at wide receiver for the Browns. Uh, Jordan Reed, does his workload increase? And Josh Doxson, the first round pick from a couple years ago, is he sort of a sneaky uh, late round fantasy target to look at? There is going to be a void there. Uh, and certainly that's true of other teams in the league you want to keep an eye on. Uh, and any anywhere you can get your hands on projected targets information, including on the Washington Post with Neil Greenberg, good play. Uh, those are those are some good things to keep an eye on. And, and, and Yes, and, and trying to, obviously, you're predicting it may not come true, but trying to see who has a path to 120 targets 
can be a good way to try to pick out some some late late round values. I mean, a, some guys that kind of jump out to me in that regard that are way down draft list include the Bears' Kevin White, who got a ton of targets before he was injured last year, and there's really not much standing in the way of him getting a big workload if he's healthy, which he never is. Yeah, besides his health. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Besides that one thing. If um, only. Other other players include Robert Woods of the Rams. He should be their number one receiver, even if it's terrible offense. If he if he gets the ball thrown 120 times, like some good things will happen. Uh, the Giants, Sterling Shepard. We may talk about him in a little bit. And the Bills, Zay Jones, who's a rookie, who may very well slot in as their number two receiver right off the bat. And if anything happens to Sammy Watkins, fantasy gold. One guy using this method that I really like and. Honestly, I was skittish about him entering this discussion even. Like, I wasn't sure about Michael Thomas for the Saints. He's going to be the number one this year. He's going, I think, as the number seven or eight receiver off the board, according to ADP right now. That seems pretty high, considering he only has one season of a track record. But in that one season, he had 122 targets already. Now they lost Brandon Cooks because of the trade to the Patriots. That screams opportunity. I think he could have a better season this year. And they probably don't make that trade with sending Cooks away unless they feel really good about what Thomas did and and what he means for that offense. And he's a little bit of a bigger target uh, than Cooks was. Uh, So, yeah, I I totally agree with you. He's a guy to, to... um, you know who warrants consideration. You know, certainly early second round, maybe even end of first, depending on how your uh, how your draft board shakes out. Um, but but it's true of all the top guys. We're gonna get into the rankings in a little bit. All of those guys are are, are you know basically guaranteed a big workload, uh, and they also happen to be among the most prolific guys. The uh, the flip side to this discussion is if if a if a wide receiver doesn't get a ton of targets, and you ask yourself, well. Can he find a pathway to fantasy relevance anyway? The key is touchdowns, obviously. You, yep. you get six points every time you, you reach the end zone. That can make up for a lot of targets you didn't receive and catches you didn't make. So if you want to look at some guys who maybe won't be targeted, maybe won't reach the 120 target threshold, although you never know, um, I look at players like Eric Decker from the Titans. I mean, it's, it's a conservative offense, but he's always had a nose for the end zone. Uh, Calvin Benjamin from the Panthers, and Martavis Bryant certainly comes to mind. All right, so we got our strategy. Let's see how it plays out in the rankings. Stock watch. Stock watch. So there's a number of attractive pass catchers, but Des, who's putting that certain twinkle in your eye these days? Give us your top 15. Let's start with your top five. All right. Well, no surprise at the very top. I'm going with Antonio Brown. Number two, I have Julio Jones. Number three, Odell Beckham. Number four, A.J. Green. Number five, Mike Evans. Jeff, your thoughts? I have no issues with any of that. I do have an issue with the the twinkle in the eye (laughs) analogy. Um, I'm a little concerned about that. I think, you know, if if I were to— I went pretty chalk there, so it would be tough to to have a hot take on that. It's hard hard to disagree with. I would say, like, if someone in in my league took Antonio Brown number one overall, I wouldn't even argue with it. You know, I I think—I do think— uh, at the top of uh, the overall rankings, number one and number two are probably Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson in some order. Some would have Ezekiel Elliott third. Uh, but Antonio Brown is so consistent. Had a By his standards, he had a down year last year, and yeah, it was still nuts. absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, he's, he's the safest commodity in fantasy, I think it's fair to say, outside of quarterbacks maybe, outside of maybe of Aaron Rodgers. I totally agree. And so I think he, he's rightfully number one on the board there. Uh, but if you end up with Julio Jones or Odell Beckham Jr., you really don't have any reason to be upset. And, and towards the end of that first round, A.J. Green and Mike Evans, I still think they're great values in there. So I think I'd probably keep them in that order. I might, you know, I might go with Mike Evans ahead of A.J. Green, but I, I do think both of those guys are, are, are top fantasy commodities. And I actually think there's a little bit of a break after that top five before the next group. Yeah, I mean, I 
don't dispute anything. Julio Jones is a stud. The only thing that I would say is there were owners last year, myself being one of them, were really frustrated when every once in a while he would just have a little bit of a disappearing act, whether it was related to his toe injury or the defensive scheme or whatnot. But still, you got to roll those dice on a guy like Julio Jones who has the talent to make the play. All right, moving on. Number six. All right, here's where it gets interesting. Uh, six, I have Des Bryant. Seven, I have Jordy Nelson. Eight, T.Y. Hilton. Nine, Michael Thomas. And 10, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, let's stop right there. Let's stop right there. <laughs> At DeAndre Hopkins. At DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, that stopped you in your tracks. Huh? Yes, a name that will live in infamy for a number of owners last year. How much of that was Brock Osweiler, and how much of that was Hopkins just not having a good year? I'm going to say a lot of it was Osweiler. I think the, the Texans would probably agree with you. Because the year before, without Osweiler and without great quarterbacking, it was Hoyer and whoever else they had. He was yeah. great. Yeah. yeah, he was kind of quarterback proof for a while there. And so <laughs> Until even, Osweiler. Exactly. Even <laughs> like, it's you impressive know, what Osweiler did. I, I was, I was very much on the record of not being a fan of the Brock Osweiler signing. But even then you thought, okay, well, Hopkins overcomes it all the time. He will again. Uh, now, again, there's a question mark at the, at the quarterback position in Houston. Is it going to be Tom Savage probably to start the year? Uh, the first-round pick, Deshaun Watson. Uh, I th- actually think Watson might be good for him. You know, he was someone who sort of – would throw the ball up for Mike Evans at Clemson. You know, he might show some trust in Hopkins. They have the Clemson connection. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. But, I mean, if he's sitting there and, and you have to use a, like a late second-round pick, even an early third-round pick, it's really going to be hard <laughs> to agree uh, uh, to, to click uh, pick on DeAndre Hopkins. So hey, I, I, I'm still nervous about him. You, you definitely can't be, like, too very confident. But I think, as we talked about with the targets, you have to just sort of Take it on faith that when the volume is there, uh, good things will ensue. And since Osweiler's not there, hopefully better things will ensue. I mean, Hopkins had um, 150 targets last year, so he met that threshold for yeah. really top-tier performance. He only turned it into 78 catches for 954 yards and four touchdowns, which is terrible. But the year before, he had 192 targets, and he was a wide receiver four overall. So that's a two-year average of 170, if my math is right. And so, you know, even if he only gets 150 again, and I say only in quotes, like that is a that is a reasonable threshold for excellent production. Now, one other guy that jumps out to me in that middle uh, tier there, uh, 6 through 10, and that's T.Y. Hilton. And it's because of his quarterback. How far does he fall on this list, Des, if Andrew Luck is not good to go week one? Okay, it'll depend on if, if Luck's just going to miss week one. It, has Luck been throwing right, it all? Right, Are they holding naturally. him out as precaution? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a little scary right now because Luck, as far as anyone knows, hasn't even started to throw the ball yet. He certainly didn't do any of that in the offseason uh, training activities that they were doing. He's recovering from shoulder surgery. Do you consider that a, an important factor, his ability to, to be able to throw the ball? Do well, you... I'm no big city fantasy analyst, <laughs> uh, he said, putting his thumbs between his suspenders. But, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I would, I would say not being able to throw the ball, kind of a problem for T.Y. Hilton. Um, I mean, that's, that's partly why he's eighth right now. I had him sixth overall just, you know, uh, not that long ago until I realized, like, oh, my God, what's going on with luck here? Um, you know, he was he did lead the NFL in receiving yards. He's had four straight thousand yard seasons. I mean, before this, before I started really, really worrying about luck, I was I was locked in on T.Y. Hilton as a really uh, safe pick to make at the end of the first round. I was higher on him than most. But, yeah, you have to push him down a little bit. I, I thought that uh, sort of going into draft prep season, I would have Des Bryant in that top group, maybe even up at number five. Um, just because the reports are he's fully healthy after he's dealt with injuries. We've seen how good he is when mm-hmm. he's fully healthy. He's an elite NFL wide receiver. But uh, looking at sort of the strength of st- schedule component, uh, our Neil Greenberg had a, a good uh, story on that recently. Des Bryant has a brutal slate of pass defenses yes, he does. and specifically uh, shadow cornerbacks that he's going to have to overcome. So I do think he gets downgraded a little bit. 
I would not be surprised at all, though, if Des Bryant uh, has a highlight real season and is up in that top five range. All right, let's finish out the top 15 because I know there's at least one more guy that we're going to want to spend some time on. 11, take it away, Des. All right, I've got Amari Cooper at 11. I have Doug Baldwin at 12. I have Sammy Watkins at 13. I have Demarius Thomas at 14 and 15. My boy, my, tor- my last year's tormentor, Allen Robinson. He is your nemesis. I'm going back to the well. What can I say? Hey, look, it's not personal, right? right? That's, that speaks well of me that I'm able to get past my huge anger at him for what he did to <laughs> me last year and put him back in my top 15. How far past are you? Uh, well, apparently not, because the huge anger just comes rolling right back when I think about it. All right, so I think it's kind of fitting that at number 13, lucky 13, right. you have Sammy, I think he's hurt again, Watkins. Dun, dun, dun. I grew up a Bills fan. I draft Sammy Watkins every year. I'm sorry. And I'm really worried I'm going to get suckered into it again because I start seeing where his ADP is in sort of that fourth-round range, and I'm like, you know, Sammy Watkins could be you know, a WR1 pretty easily, uh, and I get tempted, you know, if you look back at – um, his numbers in the 2015 season on, on a per-route basis, per-target basis, he was very, very impressive. Uh, we know he's got the talent, uh, but the health has been such a question mark. I th- he's potentially a value, and he's potentially a wasted pick. I yeah. mean, we just don't know if he's going to be able to stay on the yeah. field. There are a range of outcomes with him, and some of, the, some, some of the out- those outcomes are, are gruesome. He's missed 11 games of the past two seasons. I am definitely ranking him aggressively here, and the reason I'm doing that is because it's a swing for the fences. I would rather roll the dice on trying to win a league with a guy like Sammy Watkins. You know, I have Doug Baldwin ranked number 12. He's almost the anti-Watkins. He's a very safe choice. You know you're going to get good production out of him. Uh, probably not going to like put you over the top. You know, and, and I look at Watkins, and I have him sandwiched between um, Baldwin and Demarius Thomas, who's another guy who's probably not going to win you your league, but you're much safer choice. So if you're if you're not if you're risk averse, I would say draft Demarius Thomas for sure over Watkins. I would like to take a chance on the talent because I think Sammy Watkins has wide receiver one overall kind of talent. Like he can really crush defenses when he's right. And the issue with his foot is super concerning. He's coming back from his second foot surgery, which is terrible. But you know, Julio Jones. But aside from that, aside from well, yeah. that, so Des I, I, I wants gonna, his quarterbacks <laughs> to be able to okay. throw, and he wants his yes. wide receivers to be able to I run. I, You're I, kind I, of demanding here, Des. I'm, I'm asking the world. Um, Look, here's a list of guys who went who underwent similar foot surgeries not that long ago. Julio Jones, Julian Edelman, and Des Bryant. Right? They all came back and maybe they've had other issues, but the foot hasn't been a problem for them. So I think it's fair to be somewhat optimistic about Watkins. He's already got out in the field. He's moving around. His career average of 16.1 yards per reception would put him like in the top three among active players if he'd actually played enough to get there. And he's still just 24. And he's in a contract year, which and is he's, in a con- he's right. very financially incentivized is, to have a, a strong season. Yeah, that is worth mentioning. That, uh, that's another good news, bad news thing. The Bills declined his fifth-year option, which is doesn't speak well of him. The Buffalo's like, yeah, let's we're not, we're not going to roll the dice on you. But he is, he's going to be hugely motivated to put up massive numbers this year and probably join Kirk Cousins in San Francisco next year. So what we're saying is, if you could put aside all the injury concerns, Sammy <laughs> Watkins could possibly be worth that high-round pick. Well, I'm waiting for one of you guys to take him to save me for myself. Fire beware. 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 Well, Sammy Watkins is a very fitting candidate to bring up our next segment which is all about risk buyer beware jeff who's scaring you off all right so i've got two names for you uh one is a a guy who's number seven in dez's rankings jordy nelson in green bay and uh, you know he had an unbelievable bounce back uh coming off the torn acl it causes him to miss the 2015 season he was he was awesome in 2016 i just think you got to start look you look at his age you know 32 year old wide receiver 
Uh, Devontae Adams was sort of creeping up towards like co-number one status in terms of targets. He finished strong, um, too. He did, and he also had a really high drop rate, which typically is something I look at to see if it will re- regress to the next season. Uh, but clearly, Rogers was 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 Aaron Rodgers was looking Devonte Adams this way quite a bit. If he were to take over as the number one option in that offense, all of a sudden spending a first round pick on Jordy Nelson is a little scary. So especially the other guys in that range, I think if you can get Des Bryant, if you get T.Y. Hilton, even Michael Thomas, I think I'd be more comfortable with any of them over Jordan Nelson. The other guy to watch out for, I, I would say, is Keenan Allen, who currently has a third round ADP for someone coming off of coming off of injury and potentially. Uh, there's sort of some questions on how the targets are going to be distributed in the Chargers offense. He's someone who scares me off at his ADP as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, Devontae Adams is interesting because he took a real big jump last year. A lot of his fantasy success was based on touchdowns, which can be kind of fluky. And also there, there's some question as to was he just the beneficiary of uh, Randall Cobb being injured for much of last season? And if so, now that Cobb is back healthy, is that worse for Devontae Adams or is that worse for Jordy Nelson? The Packers have also added Martellus Bennett. So there are going to be there's going to be some questions about, how, you know, the, the target share there and whether that will hurt uh, either one of those guys. But, you know, with, for me, it was I was really struggling between ranking uh, Des Bryant sixth and Nelson second or seventh and putting him the other way around. Because, I mean, Jordy Nelson, when he's been on the field, has been a monster. He was the wide receiver three, I think, uh, two years ago, and he was the wide receiver two last year and he has 27 touchdowns combined so you know if you just uh, forget about that pesky little uh, ACL Terry had and the fact that he's 32 I mean he's about as, as good as it gets in fantasy Jeff mentioned a name that I really wanted to talk about a, a little bit more and that's Keenan Allen super high potential guy much like Sammy Watkins can be explosive we know he has a pretty good rapport with Philip Rivers but there is a lot of doubt around how many targets he's going to get uh, they had some really capable wide receivers that step up in his absence. Des, is he going to scare you off at his current ADP that that high? He's not scaring me off. Uh, I'm I'm pretty uh, bullish. On well, he should be. <laughs> <laughs> we we started I, off yeah. the show talking about targets, right? You guys have to have targets. If if there's a concern about how many he's going to get, he's got to have touchdowns, right? right? Sixteen career touchdowns for Keenan Allen, which really is not that much right. for a guy who's been around as long as he has. Well, he has missed. Um, 23 of his possible last 24 games. So that could do something to that. Yeah, stat. You, you talk about injury risk. Keenan Allen's at the top. Uh, all you can do is, you know, is follow the reports, and he appears to be on track for a healthy season. He's had healthy seasons in the past. It's not like he's never done it. He was great as a rookie. The thing about Keenan Allen is that everywhere he's been, when he's been on the field, he has dominated target share. That's what the proportion of times. You know, NFL teams throw the ball at all. What percentage go to certain wide receivers? You want at least 20 for a top wide receiver. You really want something closer to 30. You want 25 to 27. And Allen has kind of always been in that range. I mean, there was just a recent report about Mike Williams, their first-round pick, possibly having a back problem. If that, if that turns into anything major, he could miss serious time. So, ironically, an, an injury situation could, could benefit Keenan Allen. Uh, you know, he's got the benefit of one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, they do have other talented wide receivers, such as Tyrell Williams, but I, I don't think I don't think the cupboard is quite that full. After that, you get to sort of the Dontrell Inmans of the world, and I don't think they're major threats to Keenan Allen's workload. Now, fantasy darling, last season Tyreek Hill sort of came out and exploded onto the scene, super high potential because the Chiefs used him in so many ways. But Des, you're afraid of him this year. Yeah, I have him. I have him ranked uh, 31st among wide receivers. He's going as the 25th wide receiver overall in PPR league. So I'm definitely lower on him th- than most. And 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 frankly, actually, him going 25th indicates uh, that 
there hasn't been quite the hysteria that I thought might erupt after the Chiefs got rid of Jeremy Macklin and really paved the way for Tyreek Hill to take over there. And I think that's the huge basis for the, uh, for the optimism with him, not to mention his explosive ability. I just think we're, it's still not clear that he can actually play wide receiver really well. Um, his route tree is pretty limited. You know, he's, he, he was inexperienced even in college, and he went to, like, West Alabama. And, and if you don't dominate at that level, it's kind of a red flag for NFL success. doesn't mean you can't, but, you know, there are some red flags, even with his rookie season, which was impressive. I mean, two of his biggest plays came on runs of over 65 yards. So those don't, you know, you, you don't necessarily expect those to repeat. He had three TD catches of over 35 yards. His size is a bit of an issue for a top wide receiver. He's 5'10", 185. I mean, kind of stout, certainly speedy. And he averaged uh, 9.7 uh, yards per reception as a rookie. And possibly worst of all, he has Alex Smith throwing to him, which limits any upside for any receiver as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, you, you throw it all together, and I just think we need to see – I would like to see a little bit more polish out of Tyree Kill before – because that's a, tough, that's a tough list to crack, man. The, 20, the top 25 wide receivers, there are a lot of really, uh, you know, excellent players there. So I want to see a little bit more out of Tyree Kill. I think he's maybe the biggest boomer bust guy on this list that we're talking about because obviously the, the explosive ability is there, and he hadn't yet been used uh, as, a, as a sort of central component of the offense. His snap count was relatively low. Uh, if he's someone you can, you know, uh, coach to sort of run the more routine uh, routes, just slants over the middle. He's a guy who can, you know, take a six-yard pass and turn it into a, a 30-yard gain. Uh, the cautionary tale for me with Tyree Kill is Cordero Patterson, yes. a guy who had a similar uh, explosive ability yep. um, and, and was a fantasy hot commodity. I think I drafted him <laughs> in like seven different leagues, right. and then he just never became fully integrated into the offense. He was totally a guy, you know, he was more of a return man. They'd try to get the ball in his hands, however it made sense, but he wasn't running your traditional route tree, couldn't be used in that way. So if that happens to Tyree Kill, you can't be drafting him in the fourth round. How much does the fact that they do hand the ball off to him, he had 24 carries last year, does that mitigate any of this risk at all? A little bit, but not enough to to overshadow it. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who carries the ball 10 times a game. Um, and to Dez's point, you know, he... He, he can rip off the long run, and so if you've got him in your lineup, yes, he can, he can put up a huge game for you, but that doesn't translate to the same consistent week-by-week success that other guys you can get in the same draft round uh, right. uh, can the, do. The, I mean, the basic thing is there, there just isn't a long history of what you might call gadget players uh, of that sort, like being major fantasy producers. Like It, it tends to be you want the classic uh, wide receiver who kind of just does wide receiving stuff and can defeat all sorts of coverage, and we just don't know if Tyreek Hill can do that. Value pick. All right, let's examine some late round values. Big name this offseason starts our list. Brandon Cooks, now a Patriot. Jeff, why are you high on him? And how much of a value could be? He's probably at the top of most people's list, right? I don't know if he's quite at the top, and I know someone in the room right now doesn't have him in his top 15. Mm, that seems uh, pointed. And I, I don't want to point any fingers. Des. Uh, yeah. It let, would be let, the guy who listed the top 15 earlier and didn't mention him. Is that who you're talking about? Well, maybe people are just joining for this segment. But yes, it was Des Bueller. Here's the thing. <laughs> he did it. Cooks, Cooks was eighth in PPR scoring last year. And then the best matchups offense in the NFL went and traded their first round pick for him. And he's going to have Tom Brady as his quarterback. I know he already had a great situation uh, with New Orleans. Uh, but th- this is my thing. Tom Brady hasn't had a wide receiver this physically talented since Randy Moss. 
And Cooks is a guy, fourth best deep ball catch rate per PFF last year. Uh, he brings a deep ball element that the offense hasn't had. And I also think on those underneath routes that they love to scheme for Brady, he loves to throw. Uh, you know, Cooks is a guy who can take the short one uh, and then break a long gain. So I really think he's a, he's a guy who uh, absolutely should be in Dez's top 15. I'll let you defend yourself. But, you know, don't, don't reach <laughs> oh, for him in Appreciate round it. one. But as a second-round pick, I, I really like him. I think Cooks could be a fantasy stud this year. Wrong. Uh, no, I, I don't even have him in my top 19. I have him 20th overall. Touche. So, yeah. Obviously, I am less sanguine about his prospects. The thing with Cooks, super talented, and he's definitely going to have some huge games for the Patriots. Uh, Jeff is right. I mean, you can just see him on a crossing route. Brady loves to throw those, uh, and he you know beats he beats the inside coverage, and he just takes to the house. That will definitely happen. I worry a lot about his consistency. I think he's going to be a lot more boom or bust than you want to have or where he's going early in the second round. And the main thing is, when he moved to the Patriots, it's not like they had this. It's not like he was replacing anybody. It's not like they had a need at wide receiver that he's filling. The Patriots. Who, kept, who is the number one receiver there? The who's Patriots the, who's kept, the number one in, in New England? Uh, well, it's Julian Edelman. He, I mean, he's been treated he's like a number one. He's a slot receiver. He's been who treated, is their number one outside he's receiver? He's been treated – well, they haven't had, like, a top-notch uh, outside receiver for quite a while, but, I mean, Chris Hogan was filling that role. Chris Malcolm Hogan? Mitchell, <laughs> Are we talking about Chris Hogan? <laughs> no, we're talking about Brandon Cooks, or at least I thought we were, if I can possibly get things back on track. But, hey, if we want to – but, listen, if we, if we want to rattle off all the names of the Patriots, that's fine by me because that goes to my point. They have a lot of mouths to feed there. They kept seven of their eight top pass catchers from last season – and they only lost Martellus Bennett, and he did have uh, 86 targets, I think. But hello, Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, ever heard of him? Who's really their top <laughs> receiver? He Who? was he was injured for most of last season. Gronk, so what? Look, we, we, we talked about how important it is to get targets. And my issue with Brandon Cooks is, yes, I am worried about the target volume he will receive in a Patriots offense that doesn't really need him to focus on him to be effective. They haven't had him in the past few years, and they've been fantastic. And they're basically adding him as a luxury for Tom Brady, I think. I see that trade they made uh, where, they yes, they gave up a first-round pick for him as more of a way of stacking the deck for Tom Brady, who's going to be 40 this year, and trying to load up for as good a Super Bowl run as they can make Rather than saying like, "Oh my God, we need to go out and fill, uh, you know, a, a wide receiver one role on our team," uh, you know, the other, the other, uh, there are a couple other issues with Cooks. One is his indoor-outdoor splits. He always played in a dome in the New Orleans. They played in a dome in Atlanta, so he had he had at least nine games a year where he was on turf in a dome. His averages uh, on outdoor games are much worse, 57.88 yards per game in outdoor games as opposed to 71.4. Far fewer touchdowns. Look, I, I think he's going to have some fantastic. Uh, outings, but in you know in the Patriots' offense, I don't necessarily think they're going to make a, a weekly focus of him. You know, Belichick is infamous for like week-to-week game plans, and I think there'll be some weeks where Cooks goes bonkers, and I think it'll be way too many weeks where he doesn't do much of anything. I do think. Uh, look, I think the uh, I disagree with like eighty percent of what you said. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I think the the consistency point is a good one, uh, but I also think I don't want us to misstate his ADP. It's possible that you could get Cooks in the early third round. I mean, he's going in that late second round, early third round range. And that's where I do think, I, I, you know, he's a guy who, uh, even starting in the middle of the second round, I'm fine with looking at him. So I think the upside there is huge. Uh, and, and, yeah, there's a lot of mouths to feed, but, but he's on a different level than a lot of those guys. I still think Edelman and Gronk can get theirs with the addition of Cooks. Some of those other guys, Danny Amendola, Chris Hogan, I don't know if we're going to be uh, talking about them at all. Now, certainly a very strong perception for the Patriots, and that's a, a big reason to be bullish on Brandon Cooks. The Cleveland Browns are pretty much the antithesis of that. Is that why Corey Coleman is a little bit further down the rankings and could be a really good value late in the draft, or in the middle rounds, I should say? 
Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about targets over and over again. Uh, projected targets this year uh, from our stats guy, Neil Greenberg, 130 for Corey Coleman. Neil is having a great show, by the way. This is like the 10th time we've dropped his name. Yeah, we should really bring him in here sometime. <laughs> he, yeah, he's Just several steps away. We should have just brought him in. <laughs> uh, obviously, Terrell Pryor is now with the Washington Redskins. He was the number one uh, receiver in that offense last year. Corey Coleman, first-round pick. Uh, in 2016 was injured, so he, he missed a lot of the year. Uh, but he's a guy who, you know, he can win at every level. He proved that in college. Uh, the potential there is huge. I think you can get him in, like, the 10th round or later right now. I mean, he, he's really uh, – he's a guy who, who I would circle, uh, as you get in the later rounds, a lot higher upside than you're going to get from a lot of guys in that range. Uh, if he's truly the number one target in Cleveland, look, someone's got to catch passes there, even if you're worried about the quarterback situation. Uh, very high upside for Corey Coleman. Yeah, I, I mean, he's going uh, at about wide receiver 40 in PPR leagues. I, to me, he's not even the Browns receiver I want to target late in, dra- late in drafts. I like Kenny Britt. He's going, he's going 48th overall, so he's going after Corey Coleman, and I actually have more confidence that he will emerge as Cleveland's at least week-to-week most consistent number one ride, wide receiver. You know, Britt has really flown under the radar um, in fantasy circles, mostly because he's played in a succession of terrible offenses. Yes, he but, has. But despite those terrible offenses and the awful quarterbacks who've thrown him the ball, especially with the Rams, he's third among active players with 15.8 yards per reception. And last year, I mean, amid the putridity that was that were the Rams. That's a great he, word. He put up. We're not 60, playing Scrabble. He had 68. <laughs> look, he had 68 receptions for a, just over a thousand yards and five touchdowns. You know, and you can't tell me that Cleveland's going to like throw the ball any worse than the Rams did last year. And he's 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 still under thirty. I think he's going to be twenty nine this season. So this is a guy who's been around the league forever, but it, you know he's still he's still in his twenties. I think obviously he brings a world of experience there. I love Coleman. He's got a ton of talent. But if I'm targeting a Brown receiver, wide receiver late in drafts, it's going to be Britt. Maybe those offenses were terrible because Kenny Britt was there. <laughs> <laughs> Not a coincidence. Never think about that. It's a causation situation. I, I'm I'm kind of thinking maybe more like Case Keenan and Jared Goff. But yeah, you may be right, Kenny Britt. We mentioned him earlier in the show, and Emmanuel Sanders is a guy that's always there. He never seems to get the accolades. He was always sort of on the undercard when he was with the Steelers. Now he's out with the Broncos. Demarius Thomas is clearly still the number one, but does you see a lot of value with Emmanuel Sanders? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a respect thing. No one gets excited about Emmanuel Sanders. I get it. He's sort of the other guy in Denver, but he's really, there's just two guys in Denver. This is the same situation they've had for the past two years. There's no difference this year. It's the Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders show. You know, in PPR formats, he's finished over the past three years, 5th, 19th, and 20th. So tell me why he's going 30th among wide receivers this year. Nothing has changed. They still don't really have a third option there that anyone can speak of right now. So there's no And uh, they brought in a new coaching staff. Uh, they brought back offensive coordinator Mike McCoy. All indications are they actually want to throw the ball more. And with, you know, with their running back situation, it's easy to see why. They have a lot of trouble running the ball. I think they'll be a pass-oriented offense, and Emmanuel Sanders will absolutely deliver value. 100% agree. And I think you know Emmanuel Sanders, those are the types of picks that can win you in your fantasy leagues is making those sort of smart picks as opposed to swinging, you know, swinging on maybe some of the riskier guys. Going for the Sammy Watkins of the world, is that what yeah. you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> he's a good pairing for Sammy Watkins, Des. When that you take true. Watkins yep. and he's out in week two with a foot injury, you've right. still got Emmanuel Sanders there. That's not a bad And you idea. got him later than, than yeah. you probably should have been able to. Yeah, if, if you go Watkins third round, you really swing for the fences, and Sanders is there, let's say, in the fifth or sixth, absolutely, that's a great pairing. It's a good lesson in construction. When, when the high-ceiling guys are going to cave in, you've got to have a sturdy floor. What to watch for. All right, gentlemen, it's time to direct our gaze to training camps. Dez, what are we watching for? 
I'm going to be looking at the uh, the Panthers. Uh, this is a team that's actually just undergone some really recent upheaval in terms yeah, of firing seriously. their general manager. They might be bringing back their former general manager. It's all very odd. They're installing a new offense. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, we talked about last week. They want to get the ball out of uh, Cam Newton's hands quicker. They want to throw uh, shorter routes. You know, there, there's a lot of change there, so it remains to be seen how it all shakes out. Among the change there is a new wide receiver, Curtis Samuel. He was a high draft pick as well, a really speedy guy. So he fits the mold of what they are trying to do with Christian McCaffrey, which is improve the team's speed. Lord knows they were a slow, lumbering team last year. Greg Olson is still around. He's not getting any, any younger. Then you had the sort of twin tower wide receivers in Kelvin Benjamin and Devin Funches. Mm-hmm. Funches has done almost nothing in his, in his two seasons in the NFL, although he does have nine touchdowns. He only has 54 catches in two seasons. So one thing I'll be watching to see is, does, does Curtis Samuel simply leapfrog Devin Funches altogether and become a starting wide receiver there? Are they going to try to go to more three wide receiver sets in which all three could be on the field? And where, where, where are we with Kelvin Benjamin? He was looked really out of shape at the start of the offseason stuff. Supposedly he's worked himself back into shape. He was the wide receiver 16 in 2014, got injured, and then was wide receiver 27 last year. So, you know, I, I'm not sure we know quite what to make of him. Is he a wide receiver one? Is he a guy that you can really rely on? So the, the, there's a lot to sort of take in there. So I'll be watching uh, what's going on in Carolina. Right. Best basketball team in the NFL, Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton, <laughs> Devin Funches, Kelvin yep. Benjamin, Greg Olson, dominant front line. They will kill you on the boards. All right, Jeff, what's caught your gaze? All right, so I'm, I'm going to be watching Giants training camp. Now, obviously, we already know Odo Beckham Jr., uh, he's number three in Dez's rankings. He's he's an elite fantasy performer. Uh, that's not going to change with some of the other changes uh, this offseason for the Giants. But what's interesting is with the signing of Brandon Marshall and then the drafting in the first round of tight end Evan Engram, who we really should call more of a hybrid uh, because he's not someone who's going to be particularly effective as a blocker. Yeah, he's a move uh, tight end for sure. A- exactly. Move tight end. I uh, think maybe Jordan Reed. They could probably use him in the slot, maybe even split him out wide. How is the target distribution going to be there? Right now, Brandon Marshall, to me, is being overvalued. His ADP is in the late fifth round. And then Sterling Shepard, the rookie from last year, I think he's being way undervalued. He's in the uh, go- currently going in the 13th round, according to ADP. The Giants ran three wide receiver sets uh, roughly 90% of the time last year. It led the NFL in that, so you know there's going to be a lot of targets to go around. Not much of a running game uh, there that we've seen from them. So to me, I think you need to keep an eye on how are those targets being distributed Engram potentially a value at tight end if they if he's listed as a tight end for fantasy, but they use him out wide yep. uh, and in the slot. And but I also that could think hurt Shepard also though. It, it could, I, but I don't I, quite see how they get Marshall, Beckham, Shepard, and Engram on the field at the same time unless they they go you know run and shoot or something. Right, I, I think uh, exactly right. A, unless they're sort of willing to forego the extra blocking from Engram. But I will say this: Sterling Shepard's second most targets out of the slot last year. I don't think he totally shrinks away just because Marshall is there. But we need to keep an eye on it. Well, let's keep it in the NFC East because I'm going to be glued to the Eagles. Last season, this was a team without too many offensive weapons, particularly in the passing game. I mean, Jordan Matthews was sort of the name guy there last year. He might be third on the wide receiver depth chart this year. They brought in Alshon Jeffrey, who I really like in this offense. You still have Matthews. You have Zach Ertz. You also have Torrey Smith taking the top off the defense potentially, so spreading out the field. I think there's a lot of interest here, and that could even trickle down from the running backs. You have LeGarrette Blunt into the mix. Ryan Matthews possibly going to get cut. But even just the wide receivers and Zach Ertz in the, uh, in the passing game, I think Carson Wentz could take a big step forward, and if he does, this offense could be a really, really potent one for fantasy purposes. Alshon Jeffrey, currently his ADP is late third round. That's a huge if – he's, if he's a legit number one guy, and he's another guy in a contract year. So keep in mind, extra motivated – 
I, I think that's a tremendous value, Mike. I would definitely take him over Sammy Watkins, for sure. What? For sure. Oh, yeah, Alshon Jeffrey, that portrait of health that he is, <laughs> always stays on the field. That guy, rock of consistency. Alshon Everything's Jeffrey. relative. Everything is relative. Aye, aye, aye. We need a side bet on this one. That sounds good. We'll get something on the board for next week. But we are moving on to our final positional breakdown, tight ends. So remember, you can find all of our previous episodes on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Be sure to check out all of our fantasy content on WashingtonPost.com. That's WashingtonPost.com slash fantasy football. And always, always, always give us a shout on Twitter. We're always happy to talk. I'm at Mike Hume Post. I'm at Des Beeler. I'm at Jeff Dooley underscore. Thanks for listening.